On to our next matchup. It is the first Saturday matchup of the week and the first Saturday matchup of the season. It's the Denver Broncos hosting the Buffalo Bills. This is a 50-point over-under. Buffalo favored by six on the road. Right here. If you're new to the channel, go ahead and hit subscribe and follow us here on YouTube. Hit that like button. Ask us all your comments or ask us all your <laughs> questions in the comments below. Comment all your comments, if you will. Uh, and we will start with the Buffalo Bills side of the football. Johnny, I want to know what you're thinking uh, with Josh Allen this week. He's had a couple, you know, maybe not <clears throat> crazy good games over the last couple games, but do you think he can hit that ceiling? And, and is he going to bring people to the fantasy championship? Yeah, I, I do think that when you're looking at Josh Allen, there might be a lot of questions because he's frankly kind of disappointed from what he started off. He started off really, really hot, and he's kind of cooled off a little bit, and he's been okay, you know, but there could be some waiver wire quarterbacks that people might have, uh, you know, quote unquote, a little bit more confidence in because of the matchup. But I'm here to tell you like Denver, yeah, their their defense is pretty stout. Um, but they they and they give up just 236 passing yards per game, which is like the ninth best uh, when you're looking at a defensive perspective. And they're only giving up 1.23 passing touchdowns a game. Um, and then, but, and you look at what Josh Allen has been doing over the last few, few, or how much he's doing this year, pardon me. Uh, he's averaging 280 passing yards a game. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting and why I think he's a confident play in this. Uh, if you look at the rushing defense of the Denver Broncos on opposing quarterbacks, they're giving up the most rushing touchdown six, uh, to opposing quarterbacks as well as the fifth most rushing yards. And well, we all know how much Josh Allen can get out and, and likes to show his running mobility. He's averaging about seven rushes per game this year, uh, and he's thrown two or more touchdowns in all but three games this season. So I do believe that uh, Josh Allen is a solid start this week. Austin, a lot of that is built within the pass catchers that he's got uh, around him. We actually might see John Brown, who was activated off of the uh, – IR this week, but let's say he doesn't make it back. We've got Stephon Diggs, obviously. Outside of that, how are you looking at this wide receiving core, these pass catchers, and attacking this Denver defense? Yeah, Big Travi, the only question is outside of Stephon Diggs, because there is no question atop the wide receiver pecking order here, where Stephon Diggs is the number seven in standard and the number three PPR wide receiver on the year, and you look at his floor, it's like a high-rise floor, man. This guy's lowest points per game the entire season and half point is 7.8 7.4 excuse me you love to see that so the question then really comes in of the wide receivers outside just as you framed it there if john brown is playing you got to keep an eye on that but i'd agree with you travis that it's unlikely he comes back this week and i don't think they're going to really need him given cole beasley and gabriel davis's overall success in the last couple of weeks cole beasley's the hotter at 21 targets over the last two weeks 11 and 10 you love to see that and guys, quietly, Cole Beasley's on pace for 1,000 yards this season. I just think that's the coolest thing. Way to get it, man. Um, the issue, though, for me with Cole Beasley is he plays predominantly in the slot, as does Denver quarterback Will Parks, who lets up a near-ridiculous .83 yards per route run, which is nasty good. The other wide receiver to put a little consideration towards, though, is Gabriel Davis. He has three touchdowns over the last three weeks. And now we know we don't really bank on touchdowns that often, especially at the wide receiver spot. The man has some reason to believe this is prescribed. He leads the team in wide receiver red zone targets and leads the team 
with six touchdowns. Weird. Um, he does need those touchdowns, though, as he hasn't broken five catches or 82 yards this season. But I'll tell you, there's something to get excited about here with Gabriel Davis while John Brown is out. Is there anything to get excited about with Dawson Knox, Johnny? He's kind of increased his usage over the last few weeks. Are you buying into it? Or are you chasing the points there? I'm I'm not chasing the points just because when you're looking at the tight end position, if you it's been very kind of easier to sculpt and and find your your streamers based on the defense that they're playing. Uh, that's the one position that's pretty accurate when you're trying to gauge um, just you know what how many points they give up and they're the seventh best against the tight end so i wouldn't be looking at dawson knox but it is interesting to note uh two games with four or more targets and back-to-back games with a touchdown or uh an end zone target so josh allen is looking for him but i just think it's too much of a gamble to to try to play him in this game and i think you'd be gambling really hard with zach moss or devin singletary who have great matchup on paper. I mean, 18.6 points per game Denver gives up. That's 11th most. They give up 11 rushing touchdowns this year. That's fourth most. They're 1,298 rushing yards given up. That's the ninth most in the league. So you're saying there should be something here to trust. The problem is Zach Moss and Devin Singletary just keep taking away from each other, and then they have big old Josh Allen taken away from them as well. Really, it's about the goal line. Inside the five, Allen has eight attempts. He's converted six touchdowns. Moss has seven attempts, but only converted two touchdowns. Singletary, four attempts, and only converted one touchdown. So for me, there's just no upside in either either of these backs. I'd be fading both, regardless of the matchup. Uh, They just have not been getting it done. On the Denver side of the football, Johnny, there is somebody to trust, at least in the running back core. Usually it's been Melvin Gordon. How are you feeling about this week against Buffalo? We saw James Conner poised to have a great game against Buffalo. They were a great matchup. Obviously, he was ineffective with his own situation. How are you feeling about these Denver backs? And Buffalo giving up 98.2 yards per game to opposing running backs, and they're giving up about .77 rushing touchdowns a game this season. So, yeah, we there was a lot to like about the matchup for James Conner. Unfortunately, he just kind of fell flat. But when you're looking at this running back core, you guys, like this has been Melvin Gordon's, you know, the, Without, you know, with the sprinkle of Philip Lindsay and what we need to understand of the running back uh, landscape and how it's built today, uh, you know, Philip Lindsay would be the change of pace guy. But Melvin Gordon was really getting it done as nice uh, RB2 for you. But monitor this situation. Now, if he plays and is expected to go, I'm 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 playing him. I'm starting him in at least my flex position here. But he did bang up his shoulder late in in the game uh, in week 14. So uh, he only ended up with 13 carries for 68 yards. Um, But if he he is out, then I do think Philip Lindsay would be a a really nice play. He's received double-digit touches touches in three out of four games. And he's averaging 39.8 yards of scrimmage per game uh, when he hasn't scored a touchdown during that stretch. But again, that's as that satellite kind of change of pace back. They would much, uh, they would lean on him a lot more if Melvin Gordon is out. Austin Drew Locke has one of the greenest schedules if you look at playoffs uh, matchups. It looks great. You should be able to attack it. He has been somebody that has teetered in and out of relevancy for fantasy football all year. He'll have a great game and then disappear, have a great game, disappear. This is another one that looks good on the schedule. The secondary for Buffalo been susceptible in the past. Any reason to trust Locke this week? <clears throat> now, Big Travi, you hit it really on the on the head there. The Bills are not an awful matchup going 
against the quarterback. It's the 18th best pass defense there in Buffalo. And you like what Drew Locke did last week. It was amazing with his four touchdowns. But that four touchdowns, zero interception game drove his touchdowns to interceptions equal on the season. He's got equal parts interceptions and equal parts touchdowns over the course of the season. And last week was his first interception list game since week one. Um, love that. Uh, I'd like him in a two quarterback league, but I'm going to be really looking somewhere else if it's a one quarterback league for me, Travis. Look at Josh. When you take a look at Drew Locke's numbers past the fantasy side, he's the 29th quarterback in quarterback ranking at just 50.2, right ahead of everyone's favorite, Carson Wentz. And in deep passing, he's the number 37 in quarterback ranking, 38th in adjusted completion percentage, and overall 27 fantasy quarterback on the year. Travis, I'm good passing on Locke this week for another passer. I think that's the way to do it. And I think what we've seen out of Locke and, and this passing offense is inconsistency, right? You know, Jerry Judy was a hot ad earlier in the year, but he's had three or fewer catches in four straight games, has not eclipsed 70 yards in five straight games. Buffalo itself, uh, pretty bad against wide receivers. Uh, if you have the wide receiver, they're allowing the 12th fewest points to fantasy wide receivers with 22.4. But it gets better for the number two wide receiver and really for the slot wide receiver. So I'm going to start with KJ Hamler, whose matchup I love. KJ Hamler, 50 or more receiving yards in three of his last six, five or more targets in four of his last six games, and two of three uh, last week for 86 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so against Carolina, he exploited the slot corner there. Then you look at, we've talked about this at least every week for the past 10. You know, Teron Johnson of Buffalo is giving up the sixth most yards per route run in the NFL, 1.56. He just gets torched. So you usually love your slot receiver against Buffalo's slot corner. That is Hamler in this one. So normally, you know, we'd come to this matchup and I'd, you know, be agreeing with Johnny that Tim Patrick, you know, is a guy that I'd be looking at here. Double-digit fantasy points in four of his last six games, four touchdowns in that same span, four or more catches in four of his last six. But I really like K.J. Hamler more here. And I think both will be worth, you know, flex-worthy starts here in this game. But I think for me, it's Hamler. Hey, I'm going to give a nod to Hamler. Big Trevi, just, just come out and say it, dude. Exo facto, connect the dotso. It's K.J. Hamler. It just, it's done. That's fine. Yeah, I look, agree. Likes, I agree. Everybody likes a good Christmas ham. So get some K.J. Hamler in your lineup. There I you think go. that's fine. There you go. I wanted to know, Austin, if you could make any sense. We're gonna t we talked about Mike Williams burning me, uh, going giving me a zero. Noah Fant did the same thing with an illness. Looks like he's not ready to practice yet. Anything there with the Denver tight end uh, in this matchup? Uh, no, Noah Fant for me, Big Travi is dealing with some health issues. You got to monitor that. If he is active, to me, he's an upside touchdown dependent option going up against the seventh easiest tight end defense here in Buffalo. Um, but once again, it's another upside play. We know the physical capabilities in Noah Fant. We just haven't seen it strung together over the course of the season. And he's going to kind of need a touchdown to make your day. But we all know he has upside. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he'll go. But if if he doesn't, Vanette is an, an interesting uh, pickup because he did get the touchdown last week. And this mm -hmm. is a decent matchup here. Nothing better than Packers football except for Packers football on a Saturday. My Green Bay Packers will be hosting the Carolina Panthers Saturday evening in a 51-point over-under. should say our Green Bay Packers. That's also Austin's favorite team as well. Shareholder. The yeah, Packers actually... are favored by 8.5 points at home in Lambeau Field, so that'll be nice to see a primetime game. 
Before we get into this matchup, if you're new to our YouTube channel, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit that like button, and comment below, and let us know what kind of fantasy football questions you have this week, or just how good we look. Let us know how good we look. We love that, too. Uh, I want to start with the Carolina Panthers, because they have looked good at times, but they will be facing a juggernaut here on the Green Bay Packers. Um, Johnny, if you're looking at the wide receiver position, it looks like DJ Moore might be able to give it a go. That's what a lot of these fantasy football uh, analysts are saying that are out there with us. Um, what outside? What with DJ Moore? What outside of DJ Moore? How are you looking? Because Green Bay secondary has been really tough this year. They definitely have. Uh, if DJ Moore goes, he's going to be a big boomer bust wide receiver three. I would ultimately throw him in my lineup at you know as a wide receiver three flexed because he has tremendous upside even though it is a difficult matchup green bay 10th best defense against wide receivers this season they're only allowing about one passing touchdown a game and they're giving up the seventh least amount of explosive plays but we've seen that time and time again where dj moore only needs a couple of of you know catches in order to make a good fantasy day and so i i would be okay in if in a situation where maybe you need that uh in your lineup i think dj moore would be a a fine play um now robbie anderson should be lined up against uh jair alexander uh my co-host here can tell you all about jair and how awesome he is he is a phenomenal corner he is giving up 0.16 fantasy points per route ran and this guy is not getting enough credit uh honestly for it this guy is one of the best in the league um robbie anderson though uh if if dj moore does not go um then it would be robbie anderson would be a pure volume play he saw 12 targets without dj moore in the lineup uh and uh he's averaging about eight with with dj moore in the lineup so uh, you know, and if if DJ Moore is playing and you're wanting to risk a Robbie Anderson uh, play, I, I really think you're you're going to get a really low floor, and I'm not sure the ceiling is all that high. So I don't know about that. And then you know we're going to get a lot of questions on Curtis Samuel. If DJ Moore doesn't play, it would be kind of the similar story uh, that I have for DJ Moore, right? For Curtis Samuel, um, you know, his and he actually will have the best matchup when you're looking at the Green Bay Packers corner their slot corner gives up the most uh fantasy points per route ran so Curtis Samuel's similar boat to DJ Moore high uh boom bust wide receiver three I don't know if I would trust him entirely in my lineup in this week but you can throw him out there if you are desperate they say what's bad for the geese is bad for the gander do we believe if the wide receivers are bad that teddy bridgewater is probably going to have a bad day too austin it's i think it's really the other way around on this one teddy bridgewater is a skilled nfl quarterback a solid game manager which really equates to a deflated fantasy start coming in at 17 points per game look teddy bridgewater is a good quarterback he's the number three qb in adjusted completion percentage He's number 10 in deep completions, but just 19 in deep attempts. He just doesn't go for it, which I know DJ Moore and all the fantasy owners out there would really appreciate it if he did. Here's the brutal truth. Teddy Bridgewater, 33% of the time, doesn't throw you a touchdown. And the Packers give up, surprisingly, the eighth fewest points to the quarterback position. Um, he's a floor play any given week. I don't see a ton of upside. I don't see him switching the way he plays quarterback this week, Travis. Um, I'd fade on this one if you could outside of two quarterback situations. 
I am equally as excited about Mac da- Mike Davis as you guys are not excited about the other weapons in this offense, and that's because Mike Davis is playing the Green Bay Packers, and they are still giving up the fourth most points per game to the position. 23 points per game surrendered. They give up the second most rushing touchdowns in 2020 with 13. And, yep, they don't stop there. They've given up the second most receiving touchdowns to running backs with five. You look at Mike Davis, he he did have some down weeks, obviously, but he returned in a good spot against a, a, a cupcake matchup last week against the Broncos. That was his fourth 20-point PPR game of 2020. And he went 11 for 51 and two touchdowns, five of six for 42 yards. It's significant because he got back involved in the in the passing game, which is what we loved with CMC. And then Mike Davis, when CMC was out, um, we talked about here what Green Bay is able to do or able to not do against the run, I should say. So Mike Davis, for me, is a prime start, start in this prime matchup. Austin, I want to go to the running backs on the Green Bay side of the ball. We obviously know Aaron Jones, also in a great matchup, also been very good. Uh, but you wanted to talk a little bit about Jamal Jamal Adam or Jamal Williams as well. You know, yeah, touching quickly on Aaron Jones, he's been such a solid fantasy player for you all season. Number five in both PPR and standard formats. He's involved all over the field, and last week was his highest snap percentage of the season at 71%. 15 touches, 69 yards, nice for 4.6 yards per carry, and was still involved there in the passing game, getting three targets coming his way. Caught two of them for just six yards, but we all know what he is capable of. You just like to see those targets continue to come his way, and it actually looks like right now his involvement might be ramping up a little bit, which we know is not the best news for Jamal Williams and the desperation start managers are considering if Jamal Williams is, is somebody they're factoring in. Don't don't roll out Jamal Williams this week. It's a low ceiling, pure runner who hasn't broken 78 rush yards all season long and racks up less than 40 yards 66% of the time. That's eight of the 12 games he's been active in. He hasn't broken 40 yards. And with Aaron Jones's increased time on the field that just is not going to be trending the direction you'd like to see for jamal williams travis typically in a fantasy football podcast we're not going to sit here and try and convince you to start aaron Rodgers, but because i am a green bay packers fan and so is austin we're going to let johnny tell us how good aaron Rodgers has been well i just think this is so funny and how it lines up right just the storyline and we love storylines in fantasy football don't we well, look at this. Carolina allowing, on average, 260 passing yards per game. Well, Aaron Rodgers has only thrown less than 260 yards three times this entire season. And then you look at what Carolina is giving up in the passing game, 1.77 passing touchdowns on average per game. Well, Aaron Rodgers has thrown two or more touchdowns in all but one game this season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will continue uh, to give you that discount double check uh, because he will be on a lot of championship rosters this year uh, because you were able to get him so late and you're probably able to really build up your team because of it. Yeah, and not only has it been Aaron Rodgers doing it himself, but he's got this cast of characters that he continues to elevate. I mean, obviously, Devontae Adams is a world beater. He now has the NFL's third longest streak of eight straight games with a touchdown, so that's still uh, on the line here. Eight straight games with 17 or more PPR fantasy points. Um, So you love that. The question becomes, in the wide receiving room, are we tempted now? I actually am a little tempted with MVS, and I know we've had this roller coaster of up and down with MVS, and it's... 
it's like a drug addict. I'm back here again, you know, <laughs> tapping into the needle. But MVS has six or more targets in three of his last five. The big thing for me was Rodgers talking him up in the press uh, conference after this last game. You know, he had a, a, a man's man catch uh, against Detroit, really high-pointed it and really got it done. And then, of course, Rodgers went in the press conference, said one of the smartest, best plays he's seen in the NFL. And it's like, okay, I hope that equates to him being more consistent. Um, Carolina has given up 14 wide receiver touchdowns in 2020, including three last week to KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick. So I really think MVS is a fine bet. Um, he's going to see Dante Jackson, who is allowing the most yards per route run of any Carolina cornerback this season. We know MVA, MVS is the big play threat. I think you could do a lot worse at flex than trying to get MVS in there, who is going to be good for at least a couple deep targets. And it only takes one to make your day. So for me, I'm fine rolling MVS out in the flex. I don't think it's, you know, it's definitely scary, but I don't think it's the worst thing you could do. A lot of people will ask us about Alan Lazard, obviously. Um, he's converted six of his seven red zone targets this season, but he has just one game over 50 yards and, and four games back from injury. So I'm actually kind of fading Lazard for MVS's upside here. And Big Travi, I just wanted to throw in on MVS. He had six targets last week, caught all six of them, which is a season high. So he's trending in a good direction. Yeah, a season high, maybe a career high catch percentage in a game for sure. Uh, I do want to just note on Robert Tunyon, man, let it ride with this guy. Four straight games of five targets, touchdowns in four straight games. He's climbed to the tight end three in standard formats. Robert Tunyon's been a, a revelation for... A quarterback who was never supposed to be able to throw to tight ends, wasn't good at throwing to his tight ends. He's now got a top five tight end in fantasy football. And then you look at Carolina, they're the 11th worst defense against fantasy tight ends. I love it. I love what uh, Matt LaFleur's done for Robert Tunyon or, or Mini Kittle, as they like to call him. And I love what, what Aaron Rodgers is doing for Tunyon as well. Well, we'd love to hear from you guys, Whisper Nation. Make sure you comment below all your questions for this week 15. And as always, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, heading on over to the site, thefantasywhispers.com. For ARC, or Austin Sear, as we like to call him, for Johnny Game Time Hicks, and for me, Big Travi, we are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Hey, you made it to the end of the video. If you like what you saw, go ahead and click subscribe. And if you want to watch more fantasy football content, check out one of these videos.